As the temperature outside goes down, the heat in the NHL seems to be going up. We have controversial hits aplenty to look at from the past weekend, plus Champions Hockey quarterfinal previews and international tournament news too. It's all to come on Episode 9 of the Hockey With Ice podcast. Welcome to the Hockey With Ice podcast. Yes, hello and welcome to the Hockey With Eyes podcast being recorded on Monday, December 11th. I am Matt and good God, it is two weeks till a day until Christmas Day, isn't it? Oh my, my word. Well, I do have, I should say, you can't see this because I'm not recording on video in this one, but I do have my new Edmonton Oilers jumper on, which was an early Christmas present for myself. So that brought me some luck. Last night on Sunday night, the Oilers winning their seventh game in a row. So thankfully things are turned around for Edmonton. But plenty to um, plenty to be looking forward to over the Christmas period. I think not just with Christmas, but there's plenty of hockey to enjoy. Of course, not least, well, Juniors, that is coming up in Gothenburg in Sweden, starting on Boxing Day. So we'll be looking at that in next week's podcast in particular. But right now... As I mentioned, lots to look at in the NHL. So much controversy over the past weekend. We've got the Champions Hockey League quarterfinals too. But in the international scene, it is the international break. I think it's the third international break of the season for the professional leagues that follow that, such as the Swedish Hockey League and Finnish Liga and all of Lowe's. And it's an interesting one from a great British point of view because the Great Britain under-20 team are in action. In fact, there are three tournaments going on this week in terms of under-20 action. Great Britain are in the Division 2 group. These games are being played up in Scotland, in Dumfries, in Scotland. All of the games are live for free on YouTube. I should point that out, so check those out on YouTube. But it is a tournament with Great Britain, Lithuania, Netherlands, Spain, China, Korea, all in that one. So should be exciting. It starts on Monday. So today, as I'm recording this, goes through to Sunday 17th. So Great Britain under 20s are going to have a good tournament there. The other tournaments going on right now, we have the Division 1 under 20 groups. So Group A is in Budapest, with Austria, Kazakhstan, France, Hungary, Denmark and Japan. And Group B is in Bled, Slovenia, with the hosts Slovenia, Ukraine, Italy, Poland, Estonia and Croatia. So those are the tournaments. In terms of the full tournaments, there are other games going on as well, international games. But those are the international tournaments to look for and some good hockey to enjoy. Like I say, the, the Great Britain group is free on YouTube, I believe, worldwide. I just checked it on the International Ice Hockey Federation website. So if you want to watch a bit of hockey from Scotland, you can do that this week. Most of the games, including Great Britain, are taking place at 8pm UK time. So that is... Would that be um, three in the afternoon, Eastern, midday, Pacific time out there in North America? So why not have a look at some great British hockey for the week? Well, 
Although it is an international break, we do have games on Tuesday in European club competition in the form of the Champions Hockey League quarterfinals. So we will be previewing those. If you listened to the previous podcast, you would have heard my roundup of the first legs of those quarterfinals. Some fascinating ties, and they're going to be fascinating going in to the second leg of those matchups. So we will start the four matchups to look forward to. We start off with Luko Rama and Dinamo Pardubica. So this one starts on Tuesday. So it's Tuesday, twelfth of December, when these games are taking place. It starts four thirty p.m. UK time, so five thirty Central European. Luko Rama are up six four. So in the driving seat. Pardubitz have recovered from being behind by four goals twice in the first leg. So they head to Finland with at least a chance to make something happen. In terms of the form going into it, Luko Rama were beaten 4-0 by TPS on Friday in Liga. But they did bounce back with a 6-3 home win over Carpets on Saturday. It was the tale of the Swedish Festerholm twins. Uh, Pontus Festerholm got a goal and three assists. Uh, brother Patrick got a goal and two assists. Luka Rama currently eighth in the Finnish Liga. As with Dinamo Pardubica, they got a 4-3 overtime win on Friday over Mota Ceska Budiovica. Two goals from Jan Kostalek and three assists by Robert Kusel. But they did lose 4-2 yesterday on Sunday at home to Litvinov. Ended a five-game winning streak in the league, although they do still top the Czech League by four points. So that's the first tie, Luko Rama against Dinamo Pardubic. So you would expect Luko Rama with a two-goal lead at home to seal the deal there. But we saw the fight in Pardubic in that first leg, so you never know in that one. Next up, we have Fikovic Radira against Rappersville Yona Lakers. This one starts half an hour later, so 5pm UK time, 6pm Central European. The Swiss champs, Rappersville, head to Ostrava Arena to take on Fikovic. So Fikovic in the Czech Tip Sport Extra League were beaten in overtime 3-2 at home by Mountfield on Friday. But they bounced back on Sunday with a 4-1 home win over HC Energy Calvary Vari, I believe it's pronounced. Two goals for French defenseman Johan Ovito. And they are 12th out of 14th in their league. So they are not going well in their domestic league. To be honest, neither are Rappersville. They are second from bottom in the 14-team Swiss National League. They won away to Lausanne 4-2 on Friday, but then suffered a 3-1 loss at home to fellow Champions Hockey League quarter-finalist Genève Savet on Saturday. Jordan Schroeder got Rappersville's sole goal in that one. So Rappersville are up 2-1. They head to Ostravar, as I mentioned, with the lead. So Vikovic are one down. So very much in the balance that time. I really couldn't call that one. Could go either way. I don't know. I, I, I fancy Fikovic to come back, actually, but they're in not in good form, although neither of them are, really. So we'll see how that one pans out. Next up, we have Vekwa Lakers taking on Genève Savet. And this, of course, was a big shock in the first leg. Genève Savet... Duffing up the Swedish champs 4-1, to one. although a late goal by Tobias Reader did give Fekwa a lifeline, and we'll see how important that will be heading into this one. So this one starts at 6pm 6 6 UK time, 7pm Central European. Fekwa are second in the Swedish Hockey League, 
Uh, we'll go through the Swedish Hockey League results from the last couple of games in a moment. Jelef Savet got a 6-4 home win against Kloten on Friday and a 3-1 away um, to Rapersville. Goals from Marco Miranda, Mark Antoine Pouliet and Captain Noah Rod. They are seventh in the Swiss, Swiss National League. So, Jelef Savet, 4-1 lead. Can they hold it? And it's it's weird to say that, but Fekwa is such a good team. They're at home. If they can get a couple of goals in that first period, it really does put the pressure on Jadef Savet because you've then got the pressure of, oh no, are we going to let this slip? Are we going to get this big lead be taken away from us? So it's going to come down, I think, to that first period. Let's see if Fekwa, if Fekwa can get back into it. Jadef Savet could be under a lot of pressure, but you've got to say, Jadef... That's a big lead, 4-1 to head into the second leg. How do they play it, though? What do you think about that? Do they do they just keep going or do they try and protect that lead to a certain extent? Do they try not to take too many risks and let Fekwa in? Do they just keep playing, keep going and try to add more goals? It's going to be interesting to see how they set up for that one. And then the remaining quarterfinal is the all-Swedish affair between Forestod and Hjellefche. Again, this one starts at 6pm UK time, 7pm Central European. Forestod have a 4-3 lead in the tie. But the late, there were two late goals by Hjellefche at the end of the first leg. And that does give them a chance about the Lufbergs arena. Forestod are top of the Swedish Hockey League at the moment. Hjellefche are in fourth. So, you've got to give the advantage to Forestad. They've had Hjellefje's number recently and they have the one goal lead at home. So, you would fancy them to seal the deal and to carry this one home at Lufberg's Arena. But Hjellefje, with those two night goals in the first leg, have given themselves a chance. Quick bracket reminder on all of this. So, Howitt will go through the winner of the tie between Rappersville and Fitkovic will face the winner of Forestod and Hjellefje in the semi-finals. And then the winner of Padovica and Luka Rama will face the winner of Nefsevet and Vekwa. Those semi-finals will take place in mid-January. Very exciting. So Tuesday's games available on YouTube in most locations. Some other locations you'll need a subscription depending on what the local TV rights are. But should be an exciting night of hockey or early evening night of hockey really here in Europe. And of course, it'll be sort of early afternoon out there in North America. But there should be some exciting ties and lots of drama. Do not forget that these ties are judged against the aggregate score over the two legs and if the scores are tied they go to extra time sudden death extra time golden goal stuff and woof, wouldn't that be something if one or two of these quarterfinals goals to a golden goal situation can't wait for that took a right can't wait for that we've had some exciting swedish hockey league action which i've been watching on home of hockey check that out if you've not done so already you can Get various different subscriptions on Home of Hockey, depending on where you are in the world, determines what you can get. But here in the UK, we get all of the stuff around Swedish Hockey League and Finnish Liga. I was watching plenty of Swedish Hockey League action over the weekend. And in a moment, we will have a look back at what happened in the two rounds of games that have taken place over the past weekend.
So, Swedish Hockey League. Let's take a look at the results playing on Thursday and Saturday over the past weekend before we head into this international break. So we start with Hollefje, one of the Champions Hockey League teams. They are up to fourth in the Swedish Hockey League after a 5-4 home win over Malmö. They looked comfortable at the end of the second period with a home team leading 5-1. But be fair to Malmö, they did make a game of it in the third period to score in three times to bring it close. And then they hit a post with 40 seconds to go. They, they weren't quite able to complete the comeback. There was a funny comment from Hollefje's coach, Robert Olsen, on the TV4 coverage as translated on the Swedish Hockey League website where he said that he thought maybe his team had gone to their Christmas party too early with their third period performance. Um, so yes, wasn't very happy that they let the 5-1 lead slip, but they held on and got there. Andreas Jonsson scored the opener for Hollefje, making it back-to-back games with a goal for him. For Malmö, Frederick Hondemark scored twice for Lem. One thing to note, Christopher Forsberg, so Forsby's 438th consecutive SHL game streak came to an end, but that was for the delightful reason that his partner is expecting to give birth, so a good reason to snap that streak. One person who didn't have a very good day, unfortunately, for Malmö was Daniel Marmeland, who is in goal for Lem. He allowed four goals on 13 shots on net, the third being an absolute howler. Jonathan Pudis bounced a shot at him from his own half that went by Marmeland. So, yes, a day to forget for poor Daniel Marmeland in this one. The other team who are moving in the right direction in the Swedish Hockey League are Team Raw. They jumped from 7th to 5th in the league after a 4-2 win on Saturday over Oskarsham. That's 15 points for the last six games for Team Raw. Now, Heinex Sahora did open a scoring for Oskarsham with just four minutes on the clock, but Axel Rundell, Jeremy Boyce, Rudfell and Jonathan Darlin scored for Team Raw to give them a 3-1 lead, heading into the final 10 minutes of the game. Lukas Jasic was able to pull a goal back for Oskarsham with just over two minutes to go and it was a bit of a nightmare for Tim Jewell in goal. Got caught behind his own net. He let out this sort of guttural yell of frustration as um, it was tucked away to get Oskarsham back in at 3-2. But Sebastian Hartmann helped him out. He fired a puck into an empty net to ice the game 4-2. Now Oskarsham had beaten Erebrew in their previous game to end their 10-game losing streak but they were unable to use that to start a run, which is really what they needed. And it was frustrating for them because they started the game well. Actually, had a chance to make it two all on a penalty shot midway through the second period. Nick Olison was denied by Jewel in the duel, you might say. So a missed opportunity for Oskarsham. Unfortunately for them, they remain bottom of the SHL. Talking about Erebrew, they took on Vekwa. At home, and Fekwa set up their big Champions Hockey League quarterfinal test on Tuesday with a 4-2 win away to Erebrew, condemning the hosts to a fourth consecutive defeat. Fekwa did jump out to a 2-0 lead in the first period. Goals from Emil Silvergaard and Manuel Ogren. Erebrew hit back in stunning style, scoring two goals in nine seconds. You wouldn't think it was possible, but they did it. This was midway through the second period. Linus Arneshen got them on the board before Jonathan Leckery Markey got the equaliser and a bit of a weird goal. But they were not able to build on it. In fact, we regained the lead just over three minutes later. Marcus Silvergaard completing a move. I saw Carly Kossler, the points king. Carly Kossler back his 26th point of the season on an assist. Manuel Ergren then got his second of the game. 
Nine minutes into the third period to make it 4-2 to Vecqua. Puts them, or they stay in second indeed, but it's a tough result for Erebrew. Four losses in a row, and they now have to wait until December 26th for their next SHL game. So they've got a while to stew on that 4-2 loss. As for Forestard, so the gap between Fekwe and Forestard remains one point at the top of the table. Forestad did put five past Mudu to keep ahead of Fekwe. David Tomasek, Sampo Ranta got a goal each to make it 1-1 early on before Victor Edsel, yes, that man again, grabbed his 14th goal of the season to give Forestad a 2-1 lead at the end of the first period. They were in goals from Axel Bergvist, Patrick Lund and Liam Ergun, which wrapped it up for Forestard. Max Lagasse saved 27 of 28 on net. It will be interesting to see if Lagasse stays in in net for the Champions Hockey League game tomorrow night against Genève Savet or if Carl Lindblom comes back in. The two teams will face each other again in their next SHL contest. That is on Tuesday 19th. Elsewhere, Linköping got a 5-2 home win at Sarbarina over Lulua. Lulua did lead 2-1 heading into the third period before four straight goals from Linköping took the game away. Ty Ratty got a goal and two assists, moving him to 27 points for the SHL points lead, one ahead of Carly Kossler. It's four wins in a row for Linköping, who are now up to third in the table. Meanwhile, Hoffier Hertiet took on Frau Lunder and it was an incredible back and forth game at Husqvarna Garden. The visitors jumped out to a 2-0 lead in the first period through goals from Eric Borg, who poignantly pointed to the sky in honour of a friend who had recently passed away. And in Jaden Holbgawaks got a goal for, for Lunder too. But then it was goals from Henrik Borgstrom, R.K. Stuxad and Nick Short. I left a lovely little tip in front of Lynette on a power play. Turned the game back to Hawthier 3-2. Jaden Holbgerox got his second of the night and indeed his third in two games one minute later to level that up free apiece. It was a big battle from there, but it was decided with seven minutes to go. Henrik Borgström scored his second of the game to give Hawthier a 4-3 win. And the final result on Saturday came between Rögler and Lexens, and it was Lexens who won in Rögler 5-2. Former Rögler player Lucas Elvenes came back to haunt his own team with a goal and two assists. Rögler did take a 2-1 lead through the returning Brady Ferguson, 6 minutes 16 into the second period, but Lexens hit back less than a minute later. Petr Selarik equalised with his eighth goal of the season. Marek Freck, uh, Marek Freefeck, I think it's pronounced, gave Lexens the lead on 11.44. And they added two more in the third period. Final one being from Elvarez with 50 seconds to go. So Rögler are starting to get into a bit of trouble. They're just not getting going at all. They have been absolutely bedeviled with injuries. Unfortunately for them, loads of players out. And they are struggling at the moment. They did have Leon Bexel in their team. The Dallas Stars prospect had played for Lexington in the previous two seasons, but he's now come on loan to Rögler. So he was playing against his former team. But unfortunately, it was a losing effort for Bixell and Rögler. So that is the state of things in the Swedish Hockey League. Forestad one point ahead of Fekwe and Oskarsson at the bottom of the table. That is the European update. We move now to the National Hockey League.
say about the National Hockey League. There's been so much controversy over the past weekend with some big hits, some fighting. It has all been going off. The player safety group is working overtime over the next couple of days, trying to sort out suspensions and various other appeals and all of that sort of stuff. So four main incidents that we need to go through and we'll go through them in order, starting off with the incident involving the Detroit Red Wings, Dylan Larkin. So he suffered his injury in a game against Ottawa on Saturday and it was a scary one. So I'm sure you've all saw, seen it, but just to talk it through, it was in front of Lynette. Uh, Matthew Joseph appeared to cross-check Larkin in the back of the head, which pushed the Detroit centre forward and then the other senators forward Parker Kelly was coming into him too so there was another collision it looked like his maybe a stick or something hit him hit Larkin in the face and it was really scary Larkin just went down to the floor was completely motionless on the ice head down blatantly unconscious so I shouldn't say blatantly but definitely looking like he was out and yeah, really scary stuff. There was lots of ruck going on then after that. And we'll talk about that in a second. Thankfully, a few people had enough sense to try and push the players out of the way while they were pushing and shoving each other so that Larkin could be attended to. But really scary, especially for Dylan Larkin. He has had previous head and neck injuries. So it's a scary situation for him. Just before starting this recording, I had a look and Derek Lalonde did say that in an update to reporters on Monday, didn't go into any details about the exact injury, but did say he would be put on the injured reserve list with an upper body injury. Um, they're still doing scans and checks on him. Hopefully not too bad, but it's always a big concern if it's something to do with the head. Like I say, particularly to someone who has had these problems before. Now there is some previous between Larkin and Joseph. That was back in October 2021. Joseph was playing for the Lightning at that point. Cross-checked Larkin. He didn't like it. Chucked a punch at various players. Uh, Larkin received the suspension for that. But in this case, Joseph and Kelly were each handed two-minute minors for roughing. But the big problem was then the reaction of David Perron. Um, and you can understand his anger and frustration at seeing his teammate badly injured like that. But... It's difficult to put any sort of justification against his actions. David Perron just immediately turned around, went after the defenseman Artem Soup, um, who had nothing to do with the incident, smashed him. It was so deliberately intentional and malicious with his stick, bang, straight into the back of his head. Um, completely uncalled for, completely wrong. For all, he was angry and upset. You're angry and upset because one of your teammates has maybe suffered a bad head injury and maybe unconscious. You know how scary that is. You know how serious that can be. Turning around with a red mist coming down, let's be honest, but smacking someone in the head like that, especially the player who wasn't the person who did it to your teammate, just was completely uncalled for. Now, the NHL Player Safety Department has said that Perron will have a hearing on Monday. So today they haven't done that yet. So no news as yet. Bit of a weird one. Maybe this is a slight difference between North America and the UK because player safety department made clear that he had been offered an in-person hearing and then immediately said, oh, they're going to do it by Zoom. Now, for me, an in-person hearing means in-person, means face-to-face, -face, actually physically there in person, but apparently not in this case. 
the main thing with that, though, is it does give the league the option to suspend him for more than five games. So it's difficult. There's obviously extenuating circumstances given his anger at what had happened to his teammate. But two wrongs don't make a right, do they? It was a, a terrible thing for Perron to do. And um, I think he could get the book thrown at him, unfortunately for him. Hopefully, Dylan Arkin isn't out for too long. I would say, I mean, I've seen the incident a number of times. Um, would there be as much made of it if there wasn't previous between Joseph and Larkin? I don't know. I think there, there would be. I, I was starting to lean a little bit like what it was a hockey play. He was trying to push him out of the way, as you normally would. And then, unfortunately, he clashed into another player. But the more I look at it, the more it does feel quite... Uh, a deliberate shove into the head and neck area. And it, it was certainly not as dangerous as one Perron did, but um, was bad enough for me. So I think he's lucky if he doesn't get any extra suspension for that. It's not what you want to see. And the sight of Dylan Larkin completely out of it, face down on the ice, is not something you want to see in the National Hockey League. So the next incident... Another sad sight, and that was Winnipeg's Kyle Connor trying to come off the ice, hobbling off the ice on Sunday in their game against the Anaheim Ducks. Such a good player, and he has been tremendous for them so far this season. He's their leading goal scorer of 17 goals, leading point getter with 28. In fact, he was only a couple of goals back on Nikita Kucherov for the league lead, kind of heading into this, but he may be out for a while. We don't know for how long. But Carl Connor was injured in a knee-on-knee collision with the Ducks' Ryan Strome. Um, they're still evaluating Connor um, to see how bad of an injury it is, but doesn't sound like good news. Hopefully, it's the less serious end of what it might have been, but it didn't look good. Now, this is more of a debatable one for me. Um, Rick Bonus, the Jets coach was very critical of it, knee on knee. He said he sticks his knee out. There's no other way of looking at it. And he wanted uh, the player to get a greater suspension. I mean, uh, Ryan Strome was suspended for a five-minute major game misconduct, um, but he wants him to be suspended for longer. Now, the Ducks coach, unsurprisingly, sticking up for his own man, Greg Cronin, said there was no way that Strome was trying to hurt Connor. Um... Yeah, what do you think about this one? I will be honest and say I've seen it back a number of times and it's always a way when you slow it down, just like in football we see in the Premier League right now, you slow it down, it always looks more deliberate. If you put a freeze frame up, it looks more deliberate. He's deliberately trying to hit someone in a certain place. The one thing with this is that I'm not convinced a player would really risk going in the way he did. Now, maybe he was trying to be a bit crafty and it went a bit wrong, perhaps. I don't know. But uh, it just seems knee on knee, it happens in hockey accidentally and it usually is very painful, right? Everyone who plays hockey regularly would have had this happen at some point where they've had a knee on knee clash or any sport, let's be honest. And it can be very, very painful. There's not a lot of flesh there, is there? Not a lot of meat there to protect you. And it can be a really sickening, deadening, fudding, painful, shooting pain all through your knee, which can take a while to go away. So the idea that a player would deliberately go knee on knee with another player... I'm not so convinced about that. Maybe I'm being naive. You may think I'm being naive on that, but 
there's just such a risk that you may come out the wrong end of that with a serious injury. I'm not, I, I, I feel less like throwing Ryan Strom under a bus for this one. I, I do think it was more unfortunate, more, more clumsy, let's put it like that. I do think that Strom deserved the major misconduct, but I don't think he does deserve too much more than that. It's very unfortunate that Carl Corner got injured on it. And maybe you can say, well, that means he should, Strom should lose some games too. But I, I'm not convinced he did deliberately stick his knee out to go knee on knee, to be honest. But yes, interested in your thoughts. Let me know on Twitter at Hockey with Ice. Next up, boy, oh boy, what about this? Sunday night, Eric Branson and Nick Cousins, Columbus Blue Jackets versus Florida. Jesus wept. This was absolute chaos, wasn't it? Early in the third period, Nick Cousins with an awful hit on Good Branson crumpled to the ice. He absolutely smashed him. He just hit uh, Good Branson, hit the boards, end boards, really in a nasty angle. Could have been a terrible. Thankfully, he wasn't injured on it. It could have been a really, really nasty one. Um, jumped back up, immediately went after Cousins. There was a bit of pushing and shoving. I do think that you have to throw a bit of blame at the officials here because you may well have seen not too much later in the third period, Good Branson went back after um, a play, grabbed hold of Nick Cousins, put him to the ice, got on top of him and started smashing him, absolutely wailing on him. It was a good three or four punches right to the back of Cousins' head as he was kind of laying there covering up. Um, didn't look good, did it? I mean, I know we... You know, most of us like seeing a good old scrap in the NHL, but this wasn't a scrap. This was just getting on top of somebody who was then defenseless and just punching him in the back of his head, which I don't think you can ever really justify however angry you were at the hit against you. But yeah, I, I do put some blame on the NHL officials for this one. They initially did give Cousins a major penalty for it, but then they reviewed it and decided to turn it back to a minor penalty. And needless as to say, Good Branson and uh, the rest of the Blue Jackets were not impressed. And you knew Good Branson was going to take matters into his own hand from there. And that is a shame, really. If Cousins gets the penalty, gets kicked out of the game, then the rest of it doesn't happen. And I know you could say, well, Good Branson still has to take some blame for it. And I believe there is a hearing coming up. Yes, just checking the list. NHL player safety of saying they are going to have a hearing tomorrow. So presumably that's Tuesday. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a nice look. And I do think it's one thing because for all, most of us like seeing a bit of fighting in the NHL. And there is a place for it in hockey still, I think, in most leagues, especially in the NHL. Um that sort of incident is the sort of incident that will get fighting banned in the NHL because that wasn't two players squaring up, dropping gloves and going for it. That was one player angry, justifiably angry. We can all say that, but angry, knocking a player down and then just punching him in the back of the head. You know, if any, if anything would have happened to Cousins as a result of that, a bad head injury or something, you know, Good Branson is in a lot of trouble. Um, so, yeah, not a good look for all we like the fighting, not a good look for the NHL on that one. And I have to be fair with the fourth incident was relatively similar, to be honest, because I'm being fair because it was Edmonton Oilers, Evander Kane, who was the guilty party on this one. This was in the game 
It was this Friday night, Oilers against Minnesota Wild. Their defenseman Jonas Brodeen got badly injured on a play. Basically, Evander Kane came at him, again, very similar to the Good Bronson um, situation. Evander Kane was going after him, hit him from behind. Kane did say he wasn't trying to hit him quite like that, but that was how things worked out. Really basically got him in the numbers, which is always a big no-no. Um, Brodeen smashed into the end boards, looks quite badly injured. Initially looked, to be honest, that it might have been uh, maybe he twisted his knee or something like that, but it does sound like it's an upper body injury. That's the updates that are coming out today. Um, but the issue really for Minnesota Wild then was that Brodeen's teammate, Ryan Hartman, decided to uh, stick up for his teammates and... Um, whacked into Kane so Hartman got sent to the penalty box and on that penalty the Oilers scored Evan Bouchard with a 99 mile an hour shot um was that the 99 mile no the 99 mile per hour one was last night on Sunday against the Devils I think this was just 97 miles an hour from the Bouch bomb the mighty Bouch Evan Bouchard but he scored on a power play and that was a 4-3 win for the Oilers so you can understand Minnesota Wild being very unhappy that there was no call on Evander Kane when there should have been. I mean, at the very least, a two-minute minor, but potentially even a five-minute major misconduct. Didn't get called on it at all. Um, Minnesota Wild took matters into their own hands, and it really came back to cost them because the Oilers won the game, in effect, on that penalty. Um, apparently, Sportsnet's Mark Spector, interesting bloke, he reported that there is going to be no further action taken, that the NHL Department of Player Safety did speak to Evander Kane, and Oilers General Manager Ken Holland on Saturday gave a warning for his conduct, but no further action taken. But Jonas Brodeen been announced just earlier today, in fact, that um, he is expected to miss significant time. We don't know quite what that means. I think he's week to week at the moment, but um, hopefully he'll be back relatively soon because it did look, I don't know, it it, it, it felt to me, maybe I'm being a bit too kind on Evander Kane as an order. It, it felt to me like it was something where he charged in there. You have to be responsible for your hit, of course. I don't think he was trying to go for him, but the way it panned out, he did hit him in a really nasty place and clearly has caused an injury. So he was very lucky not to, not to get dinged for that. And hopefully Jonas Brodeen, is going to be okay in the near future. So those were the four big incidents over the weekend. Lots of controversy, lots of rancor on uh, Twitter and various other places. Uh, fans of different teams arguing their points very strongly, as per usual. Interested to hear your thoughts on those. Get in contact with me at Hockey with Ice on Twitter. Unfortunately, those weren't the only injuries, so we need to take another look. Uh, so many other guys who unfortunately will not be on the ice for the foreseeable future. So the first man getting in the ambulance is Boone Jenner and this was a scary one. One of those horrible incidents you absolutely hate to see. The clump of blue jacket smacked in the face with a puck. 
and has fractured his jaw. That happened on Friday in the game against St. Louis. So he is going to be out for probably six weeks or so, and that's a big blow for Columbus. They are in a right mess at the moment. They've not been playing well at all. Who else you got there? Adam Bockfist is out with a shoulder injury. Uh, Cole Sillinger is out with an upper body injury. Elvis Merslikens, who I think he's ill at the moment, but he's out as well. There's loads of people out, David Severson, Jack Roslovic, Jaime O'Reilly, there's loads of people on the list. And they haven't been playing well anyway, have they? So the last thing they needed to do was lose Boone Jenner, and they have done. So that's a bad break for Columbus. Also a bad break for Toronto. Joseph Wall, the goaltender, is sidelined week to week with a high ankle sprain, apparently. That was announced on Saturday morning. Got injured on Thursday in a win against the Buffalo Senators. Played very well in that one, but unfortunately, Wall is likely to be out for four to six weeks or so. So Lat puts the pressure back on uh, Ilya Samsonov, who I think generally has, I think you have to say, has struggled to a certain extent in 23-24. Let's look at him, sort of 10 starts, he's... Well, eight seven eight save percentage, and that's not good, is it? Below 900. 3.58 goals against average. So he's not quite been going as you'd like it. Uh, Joseph Wall has been doing a decent job for them, so that is not good news for them. It's not his first ankle injury either. So he's going to be out four to six weeks. Toronto will be looking for him to get back as soon as possible. As for uh, Thomas Shabbat, the Ottawa Senators defenseman, he is out for probably at least four weeks, and it's the second time he's going to be out this season. Um, four weeks, at least, having had some sort of a leg injury. They've not really given out too much information about it so far. It doesn't look like surgery is going to be required, but he's going to be out for at least four weeks. It's the second time he's been out for a while. In fact, he'd only played a couple of games um, back from his previous injury when he fractured his hand. Um, and yeah, only had a couple of games back, did Shabbat. And now he is out for at least a month. Bad news for them. And of course, it's not been great for the Senators so far this season. They have picked up a bit of late, but um, that's plenty of good players out injured at the moment for them. And plenty of pressure on the coach, DJ Smith, who is looking to turn things around and it doesn't help having good players like Shabbat going down for a month or more. Another man who has gone down, this is the final injury for the day, but it's an interesting one, Archery Lakenden. He'd been out anyway and we all knew he was out for the Colorado Avalanche, but this is really disappointing for him. There was some talk he was working his way back. He wasn't, I don't know if he was close to coming back, but he was starting to make his way back for the Avs, um, having suffered a neck injury back in earlier in November. So he was practicing with the team. I think this was on Saturday. I think he was practicing the team. But they've come out and announced that he's unlikely to return to the team for another six or eight weeks. Um, now, Colorado really could do with having him back before then, but... Yeah, he's going to be out for a while now, and that's another big blow to the Avs, unfortunately for them. So that is where we are on the injuries. Not good news for anyone, but at least we have a little bit of good news for a couple of players on a signing point of view, and we'll cover those in a moment.
So one man who is coming back from injury travails is Yesa Pugliavi, the former Edmonton order, and he ended our season with the Carolina Hurricanes. The Finn has had some struggles of late and he had to have surgery on both of his hips over the summer. So he's been working his way back from them. It's just been announced. He's just been cleared to come back. Um, and he has signed a deal with the Pittsburgh Penguins. They've signed him on a free agent tryout contract. So not guaranteed he'll be coming back anytime soon, but he'll be with the Penguins and hopefully he'll have a chance to come through. He's a guy who, you know, drafted fourth overall back in 2016. It's never really worked out for him, never really worked out for him with the Oilers, ended up being moved on to the Canes and really big blow for him. I mean, hip surgery on one hip is going to be a nightmare, especially quite painful to work your way back from for anyone that are known an athlete, but having to undergo surgery on both hips, yeah, that was really tough. So hopefully Pliavi is back to full strength. He does have so much promise. That's always been a thing with him. He's a big guy. He's not someone who is going to be overly physical, but he can use that. He's got good skills. Just never really clicked for him in Edmonton. And hopefully he's had a bit of time out. Hopefully he gets a chance with the Penguins and he is able to come through because he's a good guy, good player. We'd love to see him doing well. And finally, another guy who it would be good to see doing well is Robert Bertuzzi, um, or Bertuzzo, I should say. Uh, New York Islanders have signed Bertuzzo from the St. Louis Blues. Now, he was the longest tenured Blues player, hadn't been there for the last decade, and of course won the Stanley Cup with them in 2019, but he hadn't been playing really. He's not been featuring much at all. Looking through the stats now, yeah, he'd only played in four games so far this season, so... In fairness to the team, they have a lot of respect for him. So they were trying to find a good fit for him where he could get some more playing time. And he is going to get that in New York with the Islanders. They desperately need some reinforcements. Ryan Pulock was placed on the injured reserve list just now with a lower body injury. They already have Adam Pellick and Sebastian Ajo, not that one, on the injured reserve list. So that's three good defensemen out. So Batuso is going to get some time there. In fact, he debuted on Saturday against the LA Kings in a 3-2 overtime win. The one thing with Lance, of course, is that he has had to shave his beard off. Now, he says he was happy to do that, but I just think this whole sort of rule, just like the New York Yankees do it, uh, Lou Lamorello does it with the Islanders. I just think it's pathetic, basically, in 2023, forcing your players to not have facial hair or long hair. You know, this isn't the bloody military, is it? This is hockey. This is sport. It seems stupid to force people to do that. And, you know, if it worked really well, then maybe the Islanders and Yankees would have won a bit more in the past 10 years, but they haven't, have they? So um, Lou Lamorello, 81-year-old president of Hockey Ops, likes to have his uh, clean-shaven, tidy-haired approach uh, which hasn't resulted in much winning, to be fair to him, in recent years with the Islanders. But, well, Bortuzzo has signed up to that, having traded, been traded to the Islanders. So he's taken off the, the beard and... Well, he looks a bit weird, as many people do if they've always, if you've always kind of known them with a beard, look a bit strange when you suddenly see them clean shaven. But there we go. He should be a decent addition for them. I mean, he's not someone who's going to get many points going forward, but he's a solid enough player, very experienced. And yeah, they desperately needed that in their team with the injuries they've got. So should be a good move for the Islanders and should be a good move for him too, even if he's had to take his uh, beard, beard off to make it happen. 
But there we are. That is all everything, everything caught up with. Uh, plenty to go through, particularly in it and show with those controversial incidents. And then with the Swedish Hockey League and the Champions Hockey League quarterfinals taking place on Tuesday. I am planning, hopefully, we'll see where we go to with this, but I am planning to potentially um, do a live stream on Tuesday. I'm unlikely to be able to get to another podcast during the week. So what I'm going to try and do is do a little live stream during probably the end of the Champions Hockey League games quarterfinals on Tuesday so that will probably be about I don't know maybe 7pm UK time 8pm European so what would that be 2pm in the afternoon Eastern maybe uh, work it out from there so I'll be covering the end results from the four quarterfinals in the Champions Hockey League and uh, enjoying those games because there should be some crackers there really looking forward to it and I'm really looking forward to seeing Great Britain under 20s as well this week in their Division 2 group up there in Dumfries in Scotland. So plenty of hockey to enjoy. Even though it is an international break, there's still plenty of hockey here in Europe to enjoy. And of course, plenty of great games in the NHL too. Anyway, thank you for listening as always to the Hockey With Ice podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and tell everyone you know all about it if they're into hockey. And hopefully they'll find something useful in it, particularly from a European hockey perspective. Follow along at Hockey With Ice on Twitter and also HockeyWithIce.uk for the blog. And I will be back same time next Monday. Blimey, that will then be one week away from Christmas and I'll be doing a bit of a preview of the Junior World Championships and all that good stuff. Thanks again for listening. I'll be with you again in a week's time.